Welcome to Man-Thing Minute, all the Man-Thing news you can use in a podcast. I'm Adam Tedderis, your host and giant size Fan-Thing, and the pursuit of this program is to propagate the popularity of Marvel's misunderstood muck monster, one issue, one episode, and one guest at a time. I am here with my co-host and producer, Sean Sadiq. Sean, hello. Hey, Adam. Now I have a question for you. Since the last two times we've done this, you kind of got on me a little bit about the opening. I wasn't paying attention to all of the wordsmithing you were doing. Uh-huh. You know, this time I paid attention, and you changed things up a little bit, and I have a question about that. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, first of all, points for uh, staying clued in. I appreciate you being present. I'm working really hard every time to make sure that this intro is different. I mean, I no assume I just can... get points for showing up every time. You know, that's that seems to be At the bare point, minimum. But... Bare yeah, minimum. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do get those points. So uh, you were saying you have a question. So you please. said, did you call him Miss Forgot? Oh, God, I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, uh, you, I think you said Miss, did you call him Miss Forgotten this time? It's alliterative, I know that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm glad you caught on. So I have been bouncing between two M words, misunderstood, and sometimes misbegotten. Uh, and, and, uh, I mixed so, them up. I com- I comboed them. And I'm glad that you did, actually, because I want to ask you if you have a preference. Misunderstood, of course, you know, the the intention here is uh, on the meta, the character is misunderstood by Marvel, and within the, the work itself, you know, other characters misunderstand the, the monster. And then Misbegotten, you know, a different, though similar premise the unfortunate creation of the character, right? Like the the living tragedy. Misbegotten feels like um, the accidental experiment of it all. Do, do, you, do you think one is better than the other as far as suitable for the show? Wow. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. You put a lot of effort and thought into that, and I was just before you even asked me that, asking if you could change it to motherfucking, so. Damn! All right. I mean, I might not be the person you should ask, but both of those sound way better than my idea. Let's take a let's let's get another crack at this. <clears throat> Welcome to Man Thing Minute. All the, I don't want to say motherfucking. Right. But to be clear, Man Thing is for the kids. Yeah, actually, yeah. Man Thing is for the kids. Man Thing like Wu Tang is for the children. You yeah. know what? Actually, perfect. I only have one Man Thing t shirt. Because they don't make believe it or not, Sean, they don't make man There's thing. There's not much. a line? There's not a line. Bathing Apes hasn't done a Marvel collab with the Man Thing. Uh, I only have one T-shirt. Not a gold mine there. That uh, my that Timory, my partner, bought for me many years ago, and it is the Wu Tang symbol flipped upside down. So the Method Man is the upside down W, and it is the Method Man symbol, and it says Man Thing using that symbol. That's perfect. Man yeah. Thing is for the kid. Man. So in in that way, Man Thing is for the children. So you're right. And, th- and that is the long walk around why we can't say motherfucking. Yeah, that was our first choice initially, clearly. Well, if we haven't caused you to turn the podcast off yet, 
then maybe we will get there together in the course of this episode. But if this is the shining ray of light and hope in the episode, which is our guest. I'm very excited to have our guest joining us today uh, for so many different reasons, one of which this is the, the first time a guest has specifically come to me with a premise for Man Thing I'm Minute. excited. So my guest today is an exceptionally talented developer, technical writer, and electronic musician. Welcome to Man Thing Minute, Thomas Cannon. Thank you very much. Um, this is a good time to say that this is a very long-winded uh, revenge plot for um, making me watch a show that has uh, completely spiraled my entire TV-watching habits. <laughs> yes. Would you divulge what, what you're referring to? Yes. Um, so I get, So this started, God, I guess it was a month and a half ago, where you and uh, Lou were both like, hey, uh, you should watch Players. Mm -hmm. And I looked oh, at what Players yes. is, and I said, I would absolutely rather do anything else with my, t <laughs> my precious yeah. time uh -huh. than watch something about <laughs> League of Legends. Hey, now. <laughs> and then here's the thing, and here's the really unfortunate thing. It's good. It's good. And we, we talked through as I was watching it, and the perpetual theme was, it is good. And I am very annoyed with how good it is. Yes. Um, because yeah. Can this be a player's podcast now? Uh, yeah, this is a player's podcast now. Welcome to Player's Preview. All the player's news you can use in a podcast. Um, some points of clarity. Our friend, our mutual friend, Canon, uh, Lu Huang, uh, terrific guy. Uh, maybe I will fool him into being a guest on this show as well at some point in time. And uh, uh, Sean, you and I are both fans of this show, Players. You are a League of Legends fan, and I know nothing, absolutely nothing. And Thomas, uh, to, for clarity, where are you on the League of Legends fandom scale? I am on the opposite end in that I actively dislike it. Okay, okay, so. here we go. We, we, the three of us together represent a spectrum. Uh, with with I, you on the I'll negative you, left yeah. side, me in the center, so, and then Sean on the right. Here's how I'm imagining the three of us. I'm imagining us like the Spider-Man pointing meme, all yes. three of us, yeah. um, where Sean is thumbs up, you are shrugging, and I'm giving the middle finger. Okay, valid. I like I'm that. I'm just that, glad in 2022 we're bringing a podcast that crosses the aisle like this and, and brings in all <laughs> viewpoints. It's I so think important. that's important. Yeah, it's so important to have these conversations, <laughs> these difficult conversations, um, and we can folks, all sit here amicably and and just talk about the Summoner's Rift. Yeah, together. we can come together and talk about what that is. And I'll can I tell you a short story about the degree of fandom I have for League of Legends, which is a little bit sad at this point? Yes, I was walking. On my way to work the other day, about a, maybe a month ago, uh -huh. through a uh, college campus, University of uh, Pennsylvania, and I overheard these two people who turned out to be freshmen, you know, 18-year-old kids in college, having a conversation, and I immediately picked up it was about League of Legends, and they were talking about, like, strategies in the game, mm -hmm. and... Adam, I'm like 31 years old right now, okay? I'm, I'm very far away at this point in my life from a college freshman. But I could not stop myself from going over and debating these kids about this conversation they were having until I realized I was having pretty much this exact same conversation in their shoes with a friend like 11 years ago about this same video game. And then they figured out, oh, I'm not a college kid. I'm actually going to work. Oh, this is 
kind of strange, but it was a little bit of a beautiful moment and a little bit of like a, oh man, I'm still playing this video game 11 years later. Anyway, that's my story. There's no, okay, hold on. First of all, let's just take the whole of that and, and absolve you. This is not sad. You are divulging this story on a podcast dedicated to the man thing. All right, that's so fair. there there will be no pot calling kettle on this program. I think the thing that you like uh, is it's great. It's beautiful. Now here's where we need to get into it, Sean. You are a grown man approaching some kids. Uh, in, Listen, uh, they um, are adult. Okay, they're 18 years old. They were both. Right. The moment you justify what's happening by saying they are 18 years old, we do, we're entering into a territory. All right. I just don't like where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is, this, this, this took a real turn. You like, there was a flash moment where you went, oh, okay. Listen, I merely wanted to talk about the feasibility of splitting top lane after first tower was down. And all of a sudden you're turning this into something. It wasn't supposed to be. Finally. Fi- now we're getting to the crux of it. That's what I think that's what the three of us are here to do. We're talking about the uh, doing the top in what is what did you say? Yeah, don't even try. Okay, you're not. I'm you're saying not that's no, what I'm we're here. This is for. this is yeah. This is a podcast about not gatekeeping. So I will tell you, yes. uh, they were they were determining for those League of Legends fans out there. Is it the correct move after your bot lane has d- dominated the other side? They've mm-hmm. taken the first tower. The first hit to the other enemy team do they then go to the top lane or do they stay in the bottom line do they switch up the strategy okay so we're talking about uh at its core do they after succeeding in um in uh, one point in a strategy Mm -hmm. uh do they bolster defense and continue doing what they're doing well or do they switch it up and and uh go to the uh, other side play play the other side would playing the other side be considered playing erratically? Would that surprise? The, no, the actually, that is that is the more standard. If, if you'd be watching players, that's what they would do on the professional scene. I you want to you want to maximize your power across the map, typically. I see. Uh, Thomas Cannon, uh, on a scale of one to five, how angry are you about <laughs> this conversation? I am at like a 3.5 because here's okay, the yeah. thing. I'll here's take the thing. It. I'll the, take it. The three, the it's like... The three comes from the fact that we're talking about League of Legends. The point mm-hmm. five comes from the fact that I spent ten episodes and now I understand like the strategy <laughs> yes. here. And then that yes. remaining one point five is the like, you know what? This is actually a really interesting discussion about how game design works. And so yeah. we're at three point five. I can't just yes. say that players nailed it on all of the nomenclature, the the sort of the different strategies. Even the personalities were highly mirrored off of real professional league of legends players and it was all done in earnest not to make fun of them and as both of you who are not league of legends fans can attest i think done it in a very entertaining way yes exactly yes exactly which is when so after that happened um i was i was looking at the wikipedia page um and it was like okay so it was based on cheer which i've watched great um it was based on um the last dance i was like i don't know how to watch the last dance um and then it was based on like formula one drive to survive and i'm like well it is on netflix so i guess i'm watching that now so i've transitioned from like uh i transitioned from league of legends to formula one and then i realized that like I don't necessarily care about these sports. What I care about is the team dynamics and how individuals create a larger team 
that you end up like wanting to watch and the ways that that the, the ways that those stories work. It's human stories when it comes down to it. The 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 medium almost doesn't matter. It's it's the humans behind it. Yeah, very much the case. Players is an esports series, fictional, but it is a terrific show that no one watched on Paramount, I think on Paramount Plus. And um, I, gosh, I hope I'm wrong that no one watched it because it was really, really genuinely good. And folks, if you do not believe me, please trust me. It was made by the same people who made the Netflix series American Vandal seasons one and two, which are incredible send ups of true crime documentaries and podcasts like Serial. I promise these things. These stories, the storytelling, they transcend the medium. And we're talking about transcending worlds on this show. We are we are here to bring people into the world of the Man-Thing and vice versa, like the nexus of all realities. That's the point of Man-Thing Minute. But before we can do that with today's issue, I would like to know, Canon, what is your background with comics? So I think... Well, my history with comics, I feel like, is one that you know, because it is basically only ones that you recommend to me, and it is only stuff that I've read. Like, I can read it, I can list it out on, like, one hand. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I usually end up reading graphic novels. Um, I am a giant Matt Fraction, Brian K. Vaughn fan. Um, I think the only time I've ever actually, like, read a superhero comic um, was the trade collections of uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, Matt Fraction and David Asha. That's really, really good stuff. Excellent recommendation. Yes, and so I feel like that is my history with comics. I never read them growing up. Um, and um, I only – I we – I have we have talked about my contentious or my odd relationship with um Marvel uh with the Marvel entity to the mm-hmm. point where um aside from like your top tier actual movies like uh Black Panther um my favorite and only like my favorite Marvel movie that I feel holds up is Iron Man 2 which is about like the weirdest pull that anybody could make Wow, please wow. speak on it. I'm wow. I'm impressed that you dug in and pulled out Iron Man 2. So for folks who don't follow along, um, I, I would say uh, anecdotally, Iron Man 2 is often referred to as the weakest entry in the Iron Man trilogy and one of the weaker entries in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though not without its charms. Canon, elaborate on those charms. So I feel like the charms are um, that it is one of the few it is one of the few times in a Marvel movie where there are actual consequences and those consequences are driven by the characters that inhabit the space and the scale of it is not exhausting in the way of the world is going to end or this city is going to explode. This is ultimately a it is ultimately a very small tale about a very broken person who eventually realizes they need to recuse themselves of most of the things that they are responsible for because they are fundamentally an irresponsible person. Mhm. Yeah, so we we laser focus on Tony Stark's drinking problem on his egocentric approach to all things and the consequences that you speak of are mickey rourke and his parrot and like the worst accent 
<laughs> I have not seen that movie in years. Is that the one where he's got the like electric whip things going on? Yeah. 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 He's That's like about whiplash, all I remember from it. I think. Whiplash. Let me call shenanigans, Cannon. You said you're not a, uh, a a race car fan, though you are watching Drive to Survive and Iron Man 2 famously features a scene in which Whiplash shreds a race car on a racetrack. Talladega. Not just, not just no, it's not Talladega. Oh, God, it's Monaco. Monaco. Oh, see, it, now you know that. Okay? I do now, know that. You're, you're, colliding. You're, you're the race car man, and uh, I just want to honor that and appreciate that. How do we know Mr. Cannon? How do we know Mr. Cannon is not the man thing bringing these universes together? Wow. See, this is what I would love to see, and this is going to get into a conversation we'll have a little later in the show, but you know, maybe we can bring the man thing to Monaco. You know, what would that be like? Does he have the need for speed? He yes, I feel like he does have the need for speed, and um, it like in Drive to Survive, um, you cannot have fear when you are driving F one. And what does the hey, man wow. thing know? Hey, now now we're talking. Okay, so uh, man thing Mario Kart, that's happening for sure, for sure. But let's get into the issue uh, that we chose to read together, so we can talk through the issue. And uh, more importantly, why you chose or why I chose this issue for the premise. And that's where we get into the premise that you came to me with. Canon, you said you had an idea about the man thing that you wanted to explore on the show. What was that idea? So I am reading directly from what I sent you um, Mm -hmm. is that. Um, and I quote, since you roped me into watching players, I've been thinking about the storytelling of team sports. What makes them fun, interesting, impactful, etc.? And what is a crossover issue but a team sport? And mm. from what you've told me about Man-Thing comics, there are a lot of team-ups. So is Man-Thing the ultimate team player? Mm, is man thing the ultimate team player now i responded in kind by choosing the first team book that i could think of that the man thing co-stars in and that book is the book that we read together that is marvel premiere number 28 the legion of monsters not to be confused my friends with the Legion of Monsters number one, that was a uh, like a horror magazine with different characters. But this is Marvel premiere, the Legion of Monsters. Uh, this was released November eleventh, nineteen seventy five. The cover date February nineteen seventy six. Quick pause. There are two dates often on these issues back in the seventies in particular, and the published date is the date that it actually came out and hit the stands and was for sale. And the cover date is the date that you will see in the corner box on the issue. In this case, it says uh, February, F-E-B. And the reason for that is to trick people into thinking they're not buying an old comic, even though it's been on the stands for several months. So it's often future dated for two or three months or longer. So when you are buying it several months after it was released, you don't think you're buying an old one. This one is fresh as ever. So I'll tell you this, that would work on me. Oh, yeah, it worked on me. I mean, it's 2022, and I was like, brand new, baby. Very excited. They should pump it up. They should, like, uh, put the release date, like, two years ahead. Like, the next one should be, like, 2024. That way you're like, oh, my God. Did I just enter a time? 
I need to read this now. Yeah, I yeah. Get stock actually, information about uh, from this. Marvel. <laughs> yeah, it's the sports atlas that Marty McFly has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get the he doesn't get the sports almanac. He he picks up Marvel Premiere number twenty eight, The Legion of Monsters, published November eleventh, nineteen seventy five. Uh, cover date twenty twenty eight. What? What? Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to share that. Uh, this was written by Bill Mantlo, I'll talk about in a moment. Pencils by Frank Robbins, ink by Steve Gann. The letterer on this book was Bill Mantlo's wife, Karen Mantlo. Colorist is Janice Cohen, and the editor is Marv Wolfman, not Wolfman. Different Wolfman. Guy. Different, yeah. different Wolfman, okay? Uh, Bill Mantlo, let's talk about Bill Mantlo. The reason why I want to single him out is because Bill Mantlo should be known more widely. He was the co-creator of some very famous characters, namely Rocket Raccoon. He wrote a lot of comics based on the Micronauts toy. One of them, in fact, also co-starring the Man-Thing. And the Micronauts toys came to Marvel and then sort of infiltrated Marvel stories, which is neat. There's an interesting conversation to be had about the amount of money that Marvel has made from Rocket Raccoon for example, and the amount of money that a guy like him, who really needs it, has seen. You know, as you might imagine, uh, those, those scales are unbalanced, right? Um, so I bring that up to say, you know, Bill Mantlo is the guy who made a lot of things that people really love a lot, and I think it is a pleasure that we're reading a Bill Mantlo Man-Thing comic, uh, because there are very few of them. Now, if the question is, is the Man-Thing the greatest team player in the superhero team universe, um, well, I don't know if I picked a good issue, okay? Let's just start there. And I think we should summarize the issue uh, and get into the conversation about whether or not we're even seeing team dynamics at play. It is unclear. Canon, would you do us the favor and tell us what exactly is going on in Marvel premiere number 28? So as best as I can gather, what's going on in Marvel premiere 28 is that um, a series of unrelated events has caused um, the, the oddities of the Marvel universe um, to all descend um, into the San Fernandino Valley um, because a mountain drops in the middle of it. And <laughs> literally everybody is going about their business um, in this issue we have um, the following, and it opens on the most, like, the most hyperbolic, beautiful 1970s comic opening. Um, I would akin this first, like, the four vertical slices where we introduce our characters to, you know, the um, really uh, hyperbolic, long narrative comics you would get in Sunday yeah. papers, yeah, where it's yeah. like you're yeah. trying to read an essay in a f in like an eight by four strip, <laughs> uh -huh. um, and it's like. I'm pretty sure the eyeglass industry, um, the optometry industry made those comics <laughs> that like when you're eight years old and learning to read, ads, just, yeah. like yeah. trying to scan into this. And then Warby Parker's like just licking their lips. <laughs> and years later, like, it was, young. it was those, those long form comics. And then later the virtual boy, and, you know, that yes. was like the, the, uh, eyeglass Field industries. They're sweet. I didn't realize, horse. I didn't realize optometrists were so, uh, mustache twirling, villainous simply uh, diabolical so, yeah absolutely anyway you can continue <laughs> um so it opens on that and we have in order we have man thing we have knight rider we have our favorite vampire morbius and okay. then uh. a werewolf 
That's it, right? Yeah, you could just end there. A werewolf. So um, let's let's clarify. We'd have the man thing. We have Ghost Rider, Morbius. It's Morbin time, fellas, and Werewolf by Night, who you may now be familiar with by Marvel special presentation Werewolf by Night, which came out for Halloween this year and co-starred the man thing. So you know. Is he just a werewolf? Yes, indeed. But is he werewolf by night specifically? Yes, indeed. So from this opening, we have these four players. This is the Legion of Monsters, guys. We have, we've got four monster men. And how exciting. And then uh, we open on an earthquake, uh, and a mountain drops down. And where do we go from there, Cannon? We go from... Um apparently New Yorkers in uh, Los Angeles who, because um, I don't think any Los Angeles, uh, Los Angelian um, would be like, lady, I got, I got, for you, I got news. No, what's, now what? What? Right. <laughs> They're being thrown uh, <laughs> from the ground. The ground is, is shaking and rumbling and he's, he finds he's, the time. He phrases it in such a way. And then a mountain, uh, it, you know, I, I misread this at the time. I thought a mountain was emerging from below them. And we do come to find out, in fact, the mountain landed on them from above. Just to point out. I don't think out. many people would assume the latter case, usually. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think that would be the assumption, but that is, in fact, what happened. Not Can't how f- geology works, typically, as far as I understand. <laughs> well, Mountains not- don't arise from falling spontaneously out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's been a while since my seventh grade science class, but well, Sean, for you, I got news. <laughs> That's what's happening. Cannon, please continue down the path. So um, we open on Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is like, wait a minute, I need to go check this out before I eat, and then it's gone. Which actually is a pretty smart read. Um, I don't know if I have the um, mental fortitude of Ghost Rider to forego a meal, even in uh, the cycle of a mountain dropping. Um, And then we cut immediately from that to uh, Morbin time. Yeah, it is Morbin time. So Morbius is is flying by, and uh, Ghost Rider is zipping up the mountain, and uh, another character driven by hunger. Uh, Morbius's whole thing right now is as he's zooming around, where are we? Sunset Boulevard. Uh, he's just thinking about chomping into someone. And uh, someone that he sees is werewolf by night. He just literally sees a werewolf and decides, no, this is, this is, this is fine. This is normal. Um, it's very clear that this is a werewolf, and yet it, he still decides to go all in, um, and then is surprised that somebody slouched over wearing only pants, staring at the moon on the top of a rooftop, sitting on what looks like um, a uh, just some pipes, is a werewolf. Because... Hey, now that's my Saturday night. I just happen to be a hairy guy, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You're just uh, hanging out on Sunset Boulevard on some pipes. Trying yeah. to talk about League of Legends to some, some folks down there. <laughs> I also do really appreciate Marv's like editorial note here, because what you have is you have your extremely um, verbose... Uh, Camelotian uh, <laughs> story that's happening in like the pink um, narrations you, you have in the same panel um, you have Talon's rake moonlight flesh dot 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 and then in the back 
Marv comes in, he pauses the movie <laughs> like anybody who watches The Two Towers when Viggo Mortensen kicks a helmet. He looks at you straight in the face and goes, Morbin Wolfie met once before in GS Werewolf number four. Remember Marv? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a classic tactic for the editor to do in, in any book, especially a team-up or a crossover, to remind you of the story that is not being explored here. If you were to read Spider-Man comics, you know, from any amount of time, especially when you're getting into The Amazing Spider-Man number 600, you'll see a lot of editor's notes about the context that you've missed previously. And good luck finding that issue if you can catch up on that, uh, which is a perfect plug for Marvel Unlimited. You can subscribe to Marvel Unlimited for just 10 bucks a month, and you have full access, my friend, to all of Marvel's archives, including the full run of every Man-Thing appearance that I can account for. Marvel Unlimited. Did this man a sponsor? <laughs> yeah, sponsor me, even though I did, I did betray Marvel by saying that they did Bill Mantlo dirty. And they did. Uh, so, yeah, so we're just introducing the characters here. We are introduced to now Ghost Rider. We got Morb. We got Wolfie. And finally, our guy, the Man-Thing. We transition, and it's actually, it's, it's a really beautiful transition, where you have, um, <laughs> you have uh, Morpheus and, uh, or Morbius. Um, God, Morpheus would be great in this. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is here, and also Morpheus from Sandman is here. All of the Morpheus is Morphe eyes. So they bump into each other. They have a scuffle. Then they see the mountain, and they're like, and, "And it's great because Morbius is like, I need to go look at this." And Werewolf by Night's just like tagging along. They they just like forget what they were talking about and move mm-hmm. forward. And right. then we cut to um, I I don't know where this swamp is because there's no swamp in California. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought this up. So we are cutting to a swamp, and it is the home of the Man-Thing. We know this from listening to this podcast and being giant size fan things, that this is in the Everglades in Florida, Citrusville, to be exact. So now we are in the Citrusville swamps and watching someone fish, and uh, instead of catching a fish, the Man-Thing emerges from the muck and the water, and the man, uh, surprisingly feels no fear, and simply defends his catch and says, you can't have this fish. I found it. So this guy has real women-want-me-fish-fear-me energy, Uh, cannot be bothered with the Man-Thing's arrival. But the more confusing aspect, not the lack of fear in the fisherman, is that the Man-Thing notices the mountain, which is in California, and the Man-Thing himself is in Florida. So yeah. the geography gets a little screwy. Now, I just want to open it up and say, here's, here's my explanation for how this could possibly be the case. The Man-Thing is the protector of the nexus of all realities. And then the nexus of all realities, you know, you have doors into every multiverse and every reality and every dimension as they, they uh, find themselves at a, a centrifuge in Florida. All right. So maybe he's basically looking through a window that allows him to see other parts of the world and then walks through that little portal. Has that happened gets... in other man? No. Thing? Okay. So, no. All right. Well, hold on. Maybe there is a team book. There is a team book in which the man thing is a part of the Thunderbolts. And the Thunderbolts are kind of Marvel's suicide squad. You know, they're the villains who are conscripted to do some good thing 
but they need to do it on the low because S.H.I.E.L.D. can't be seen doing this and the Avengers can't be seen doing this. The Man-Thing was a part of a Thunderbolts team as the team vehicle in which all of the members of the Thunderbolts would lay hands on the Man-Thing and the Man-Thing would be using the nexus of all realities to transport from here to there. So, I mean, maybe... Maybe that right. so I you know this all this works for me. I don't know why everybody's so confused. This works perfectly for me. Uh okay. That's yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. on me. So please continue. Uh we we have a, a new entrant into the battle, which is a golden warrior atop of a golden horse. And who who might this be? This is Starseed. Um which everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite Starseed. And in everybody's favorite representation of him, which is like your most chrome gold, like gold chrome plated um, Greco Roman god that you could ever hope for. That's right. So he's at the top of the mountain. All of the monsters are attracted to the top of the mountain for reasons. Uh, and at the very top of the mountain, they find this this golden god-like figure, which it, he does look like a, a Greek warrior or some such thing, a man out of time atop a horse. Um, and that's that's it. That's kind of all we have on Starseed. He just appears there and begins to explain how he appeared there. So let's take a quick uh, flashback, which is Starseed was... Am I right to assume that he was, in fact, a caveman? He was a Neanderthal? I think that he is, like, fifth-generation caveman. Okay. Because because the way that this flashback works is um, you've got got your early, early caveman days where everybody's just, like, clonking each other with uh, bits of jawbone, and there's only a few people that say, hey, we're just going to go hang out in this mountain. Um, And then it just says, there's mountains, peace and quiet. Um, They evolved and built into the comforts of home, um, and then aliens show up. That's and right. actually, the aliens—the alien design is actually really great. I do really like the alien design in this. Cyclopean, uh, snake-like, tendril, tentacle arms—they look a little bit like Shuma Gorath. Y'all yeah, know definitely. You, 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 definitely. Do you do you know Shuma Gorath by chance? Have you played Marvel versus Capcom two? I have not. See, now I was going to say they remind me of Velkaz, uh, the League of Legends champion, which is a direct ripoff of yeah. it, just to keep it more, you know, League of Legends. I was, yeah, I was reaching for that. I, and, and I was thinking the very same thing. So I'm so <laughs> glad you said Velcro, the, the Shuma Gorath uh, knockoff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the aliens come and then they say, we're taking the mountain, yoink. And uh, as it turns out, there were some humans that were still inside of the mountain in that civilization. They were brought to space. They were in space for a very long time. Things get timey-wimey. And the people who were inside of that mountain now in space uh, stage a revolution, a coup, and they defeat the aliens using the alien technology. And they've decided we got to go back to Earth. And this is what has occurred. This is how Starseed has brought this mountain here to Sunset Boulevard. And Starseed says that he is the only one left. He has evolved quite a bit. He is stronger and smarter, and he has a horsey. And uh, he has returned to the planet seemingly to do good. 
I think I it's never it's never ever explained. He just like wants to get back home, and I don't think he even realizes that there's a civilization here because, as Ghost Rider most eloquently put. Puts it. You part your mountain right smack dab in the middle of Los Angeles, which, while it ain't much to go on, is still home to a heck of a lot of people. And, yeah, and Starseed's response is I merely returned it to the place it was occupied millions of centuries ago, brother, which I do want to. Can we retcon this to where Starseed does speak like Macho Man Randy Savage? Because Brother. I feel like that makes <laughs> this whole issue so much better. Ooh, yeah. That's like, Starseed is very much bringing that energy. Yeah, he does talk a little bit like a... Uh, I was hearing it in kind of that Greek, like... No, forsooth, you misunderstand me, brother. But I like the oh, way you that you well, are. Adam. I like the way that you are appealing to the character, and I want to. I want to go with what you have shared, Canon. So he talks like a pro wrestler, and he is here. He genuinely is looking at these freakish men, the Legion of Monsters, as brethren. You know, I, he's been gone for a long time. He's like, he's hey, like, this is what the... humans are now. <laughs> yeah, and he's got no <laughs> questions. Brought the mountain back, gang. So sorry that I borrowed it for so long. Should have left a note. And uh, I guess people are slime monsters and motorcycle skeletons now. No also, questions. Also, what's a motorcycle? <laughs> also, what's a motorcycle, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, so he's bringing it back. And I just want to point out that throughout this entire issue, Ghost Rider is the voice of reason. The man on a motorcycle with a flaming skull imbued from Satan itself is the voice of reason and is saying, like, hold up, everybody. Let's stop attacking this guy. Let's stop attacking each other. Let's let's feel this situation out here. And I, I think we can just kind of get to the crux of the issue by saying the Legion of Monsters almost involuntarily kicked the shit out of Starseed. Uh, Starseed appears and says, brought the mountain back. By the way, all of you are family to me. And they just really mob him up. You know, it is... It's a it's a scene. It's it's world star. It's not good, right? And um, uh, the entire time, Ghost Rider is attempting to stop this, but it's simply too late. Uh, at one point, the Man Thing lunges and grabs uh, Starseed. Starseed is not an enemy. Man Thing's just kind of confused about what's going on here, and Starseed becomes afraid of these creatures and their anger and their tenacity. And whatever knows fear burns at the touch of the man thing, and the star seed is burned. Even if you're killed. a golden god, even with if you're a chiseled jawline, golden god who speaks like Macho Man Randy Savage. And in Starseed's dying breath, the star seed reveals, I could have turned you all back to totally normal guys. And it, it could have been that the man thing turns back into Ted Salas and. Werewolf by Night turns back into Jack Russell. And Ghost Rider, well, I guess you're mostly just fine because you can kind of come and go as you please. <laughs> and Morbin time could have ended. You know, the Morbin clock could have struck 12 and you just turn right back into Michael Morbius, a regular guy with peculiar facial hair. But no, alas, I can't actually make that come to pass because you kicked the shit out of me. I got world starred the moment I appeared. And by Sia. And the, I guess the mountain goes away, too. And uh, the man thing loses interest and walks away. And everybody just goes away. And then Ghost Rider says, 
uh, there goes the neighborhood. You know, it's, it pretty much is that. That's like the end of the whole thing, right? That's the book we read. So here's where I have to reason with the error of my ways. The question was, central question is, is the Man-Thing the best team player in the Marvel Universe? And I said, well, let's pick a team book. And in this team book, all of these team members kick the shit out of each other, basically don't talk, don't know who one another is, and then as soon as they kill not even a common enemy, just a guy, they just leave. They, they part ways and are no longer a team. I don't know if we can answer the question. Because I picked a bat. This is this was not the one. A terrible team. This was not a good team. I was getting towards the end of this book, and um, I it was what ha- what it how things turned for me. Where when I realized that um, uh, you have this moment where uh, Morbius just realized his his bloodlust takes over, and he's like, mm-hmm. obviously. God blood is the way to go here. Demigod blood mm-hmm. is the way to go here. And then I realized, okay, I, nothing. I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, I don't know how all of this is going to go. And then, as you said, second, the second that this guy is, the second this guy dies, um, there's this great panel where just everyone walks away, just like werewolf by night, man, think just go away. Um, they're, they're done. They, they've hit their NPC idol animation. They're going about their day. Um, you successfully like transitioned out of that. Um, I would say, okay. I would say that, I would say that there's still an argument to be made that Man Thing is a strong team player because um, Man Thing's coming in as the support for Star Steed. He just mm. doesn't know what he does. Um, he all he does is touch Star Seed on the shoulder. I don't. I did not read this as a malicious action. I read this as, or not even a confused action. Um, mm-hmm. He was just like trying to get a hold of uh, Star Seed, and then um, just by the nature of who the Man Thing is, killed him. And, and at at every turn, the Man Thing is attempting to do something at at baseline innocuous. And if you want to be generous, do something friendly and team up. In fact, the Man-Thing approaches Ghost Rider and is doing so in a way where he, he goes to place his, his hand on the Ghost Rider as almost a means of saying, like, hey, we're, we're together. But Ghost Rider doesn't know what the Man-Thing is. And the Man-Thing cannot speak. And the panel itself you know, gets to this point where it's like, damn, if only you could say something, my guy. But you can't, so we've got a brawl. And so it's just misunderstanding after misunderstanding met with bloodlust and monstrous instinct that all tear them asunder. And what a tragedy. How sad. Man-Thing showed up and was just like, I came all the way from Florida, friends. Let's just, you know, let's make something of it. And no one wants to hang out. I think uh, what a tragedy. And uh, everything that is happening here is is extraordinarily funny to me. Because at every opportunity for these monster men to say we're all monster men, all of the, what are the odds all of us monster men are here on this? Never comes up. No, n- <laughs> never comes up. Instead, they really just tear each other apart. And uh, and that's that's the ball game. So a team could have happened, but uh, may- maybe the takeaway here is 
this this book is meant to be more tragic than than your normal team and marvel popularized you know inter team drama the fantastic 4 perfect example fantastic 4 marvel's first family they were created almost as a response to the Justice League and the happy, idealistic ways that that DC characters would team up and do things together. The Fantastic Four squabbled. They had interpersonal issues. They added dimension. And I feel like the Legion of Monsters is taking the success of the Fantastic Four formula and ratcheting it up to 16. Um... It's just so hyperbolic and uh, not a good, not a good squad. Can we even stand by the the teammate issue? I'm I'm not totally sure. I think that with the right coach, here's the thing. Here's the thing okay. about the man thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 I like where this is going. Yeah, we mm-hmm. are talking here about um, as we are talking about a dysfunctional team story where you have all of these egos that cannot get together in order to solve a problem. They actively work against themselves. This is the first half of the season being a string of losses because um, nobody knows how to coordinate and everybody's Mm -hmm. too egotistical. What they really need is they really need a coach to come in here and direct these players and tell these players, hey, here's how you form... here's how you form an offensive line. Like you all stand together in a line. You don't run away and do your own thing. I'm glad you brought this up. So the coach thing, I mentioned Thunderbolts when the man thing was the team vehicle. I shit you not. He was the, he was the team vehicle, right? He's there to, to punch and muck around, but he's mostly there to help the team get from A to B. The only reason this is possible is because the Thunderbolts uh, was founded by uh, at least two good guys. One, Luke Cage. He is the captain of the team. He's assembled this this ragtag team of villains to, to do some good. And two, uh, Hank Pym, Ant-Man. So Ant-Man is a scientist and has captured the Man-Thing and is keeping the Man-Thing in this artificial swamp and learning about the Man-Thing and has used... Pym particles, uh, you know, like little tiny making molecules or size changing molecules to sort of uh, create a directive for the man thing, like guide the man thing and make sure there are bumpers on that bowling lane, so to speak. And so I think the, you know, the coach, the coach thing is, is a point well taken. The man thing can't just be in here by himself. Can't really make decisions for himself. And so teamwork would not come instinctually. You, you've got to have a good coach. And maybe that means this should not be the Legion of Monsters, but in fact, a Legion of their own. We need a Tom Hanks. God, okay. We need yes. a Tom Hanks. So this posits two questions where, um, first, I guess this is this is our fantasy Legion of Monsters. Um, this is our draft picks, everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So we have two questions. We need to decide who is the coach, or said team, and then what positions are we um, like? What positions are everybody? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, wait, let's just round robin, right? Uh, so we'll save the coach for last and and start with the positions. So I'll start with the man thing, since you know I I carry uh, a heavy uh, bias here. I think the man thing, no matter what, riffing on something you shared, Canon is is playing support. The man thing is uh, not here for intellect. The man thing is here to body. 
other players. So is you know, like checking, playing support, like doing whatever the bruiser would do uh, in, in any yeah. team sport, right? Speaking up for the nerds who don't watch sports and play League of Legends instead, man thing would be like an engaged support. He'd be like a Leona or you know, uh, something like that, where he'd still be the tanky big guy up front, uh, but he's not dishing the damage. He's he's sort of helping and and making sure his his carries in the back get get things done. Right, and I was going to say um, exactly that, but you just said it before I did. Of course, so, yeah. Sean, uh, Ghost Rider, uh, what is Ghost Rider's position on the team? Oh, Ghost Rider, he's. He's honestly my favorite character in in this issue, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. Yeah. I don't really know much about him, but mm-hmm. he just seems really down to earth and w- wants to play for the team. Uh, but he seems he's like... He's so down to earth, he's in hell. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. That that's was... about as down as you... It's about, a, it's, it's about as down as you... That, that was viscerally painful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he would be like a good... Uh, uh, like in basketball, I feel like he'd be a point guard. He's yes. he he seems effective. He seems like he knows what he needs to do, and he's a role player. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not going to try to take the whole team on his back. He's not going to carry the team, but he's going to play his point, and he's going to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, in League of Legends term, I would put him as the jungler. He enables the team. Okay, yeah. Now, Cannon, uh, let's go with Werewolf by Night. Where, where, where are we putting Werewolf by Night? Werewolf by Night's easily the tank. Like we're just we're oh, talking yeah. straight tank here. Like yeah. it's it's almost that's kind of a given. We everyone here can agree that it's just he just comes in there and he tears things up. That that feels like a non that feels it feels like a given. Um I feel like the stronger question to ask here is where does where does our buddy Morp fit into all of this? Because Yeah. So I, I actually I've got an idea here yes. as far as Morb, but I, I think uh Morbius is is um capable of covering so much ground because Morbius can fly, but Morbius is also capable of being an aggressor and playing offense as well. So I see Morbius as a bit of a wide receiver here. You you are getting distance. <laughs> like you are capable of covering a lot of land really quickly, but you could also you know, shrug off attacks or stops. So I, I to me it feels like he's a wide receiver. You know, I would say running back, but like a wide receiver to me is about like getting as much distance possible when it when it comes to the aerial aspect. So I feel like um, as far as the team goes, you can really get out there and scout, but you can hold your own. You just need the support of your team. Absolutely, I think I think Werewolf by Night is the more the running back to uh, Morbius's uh, wide receiver in this situation. Yeah. Now, um, what sport this is unclear. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we've we've listed uh, esports. This is clearly not a sports podcast by the way we just <laughs> described that. And they're all playing Blitzball, the sport from Final Fantasy X. Uh, okay, so who's the coach? Most important question. Ooh. I think that's the point. We don't have a coach this time around, right? Right. Who, who so would be a good coach? One. We need a pick one. Yes. Adam, Adam, who would you think would be a good coach in this? I know you said uh, Ant-Man is, has been in the past for – for man thing, but in, with this particular group of monsters, who do you think would mesh with them and get them on the direction they need? And I'm I'm choosing from the Marvel universe, from Marvel characters. Yeah, Marvel characters. Well, I mean, I guess it is your podcast. You can do whatever you want, presumably. Well, if it's my podcast, then uh, I am saying it's uh, Coach Jimmy Dugan from A League of Their Own, played by Tom Hanks, because uh, I would really love to see some of the scraps that they all get into with 
And he's got leadership skills. And he's got leadership skills, but, you know, like, it's hard for him to drop his ego, too. So yeah. if he could just sit down and listen to what they have to say, um, <laughs> then that'd be great. Um, but, uh, gosh, who would be the coach? You know, I really liked the Thunderbolts being led by Luke Cage. I think that was great. But I think what they really need is a tactician, like somebody who sees the strategy uh, behind everything gives them a and, purpose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And can really like slot them into the places where they need to be. So I feel like maybe a Reed Richards type, you uh, know, someone, someone smart, who, someone smart. You need the mm. intellect who can map out how these monsters are going to help one another in, in my view. So obviously coming at this from um, extensive knowledge, but I feel like Reed Richards would not be able. So here's the thing. He is a great actor. He would be a great academic coach, but yeah. this is a very um, emotionally driven team, and mm. Reed Richards is a bit of a poindexter. Okay, fair, he needs fair. A, you need a charismatic leader. He, he would be like the analyst after yeah, the fact. He'd run exactly. back the tape with you. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Right, we're we're capable of doing the uh, the tough work of uh, analyzing our previous scraps using his strategies, but we need somebody in the moment. So, um, okay, what about, uh, can we pull from the, the mutants? What about Storm? Storm has a lot of leadership experience. She is taught under Charles Xavier. Uh, you know, she's been in scraps herself. I feel like she would be terrific. She's commanding. Storm tells you to do something. You just do I it. I mean, she commands the weather, so. That's, that's she, true. She's commanding. She commands the weather. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I feel like because of Storm's power, she has the ability to put everybody on. Okay, um. Here we go. I think I think I've got the lineup. Um, to make this sport even more confusing, we have yes. an offensive and a defensive coach. Um, okay. And Storm is the offensive coach because she can set up the guardrails. Every I'm looking at every single I'm looking at the lineup right now. Every single mm -hmm. one of these characters would be impacted by Storm. Storm mm -hmm. could make it um, too dry for the Man Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, she could make it too wet for Ghost Rider. You can make it too windy for Morbius. Um, okay. And like cancel when we were young, and then like that just messes with his old week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now what? Now what weather does uh, Werewolf by Night not like? Um, oh, hold on. Uh, she I, she can use cloud cover to cover yes. the full moon, yes. which uh, could potentially turn it back into Jack Russell. Yeah. There we go. Get these boys in line. All right. So I, I think we've determined that it, the coach is in fact uh, at least Storm at some point in time. And um, Tom Hanks playing the role of Jimmy Dugan from the movie. All right. Of the yeah, room. you can keep pushing that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a contingent of listeners that are all on board with that. Indeed, I will. Let's choose favorite <laughs> panels from this issue. Uh, Sean, did you have a favorite panel that jumps out at you from this issue? You know, I did, but it was for a stupid reason. I mean, pretty much. Please. <laughs> I mean, mine is incredibly stupid. I'm curious Let's to go. see if we have the same stupid panel. For mine, it's purely based on how they drew them and it's my man starseed mm -hmm. it's uh on it's the bottom panel it's like a kind of a horizontal panel and he's saying i am those and more dream again my brother son <laughs> in dreams alone are all <laughs> things real and he's kind of got this weird like low uh what do they call it in film like a low shot where like you're seeing it's going straight up his nose it's going straight up his nose you can see like his his like chiseled gin he 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 that looks like it could be a meme, honestly. I, I yeah. want that as like an emote that I can, <laughs> can use. In I will produce this. I will make this happen. And when we have a Patreon <laughs> that gives you access to the Discord, then you can have a picture of straight up Starseed's nose. Yeah. 
I don't know I, what I emotion that's, that's engaging in, but I, I love it. This is, you know, he's he's making a point. He's grandstanding. There's rhetoric on display. Yeah. I Justice for Starseed, you know? Let's bring Starseed back. Would love to see what he's been up to, although he is, in fact, dead. <laughs> uh, Cannon, how about you? Favorite panel? Um, I think my favorite panel is similarly for, I mean, it is for stupid reasons. It is the bottom right panel Um when uh, Man-Thing tries to reach out to Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider zaps him. And um, uh, <laughs> Ghost Rider trips over his own motorcycle, then hops on and says, Bike, I love you. Let's get as far away from that walking peat bog as fast as your little wheels can carry us. Uh, yes. So we've talked about this in previous episodes of Man-Thing Minute, but this would be a terrific example of the Marvel method at play where uh, the writer is giving direction to the illustrator by way of dialogue. And in this case, we have uh, the ghostwriter backing up and saying, or rather thinking, tripping over something, falling, the skull cycle. So it's a great way of saying, here's what we need to have drawn in the panel. And the character is tripping over his own motorcycle, instantly forgiving said motorcycle and zipping away. And that classic Ghost Rider Hellspawn line, Bike, I love you. I love you. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good panel. Uh, my favorite panel comes from the same page as yours, Sean. It's the top panel, and it is another wide one, in which we have a shot of the full Legion of Monsters as they are first meeting Starseed, gawking yeah. at the presence of Starseed. I love this because it's the team shot. We get a lot of personality from each of them. We have the man thing in the back who looks confused and in awe. This is just the expression of the man thing that I love so much. We have werewolf by night, angry, aggressive, a dog barking at a stranger. We've got Morbius on the side looking suspect and also angry, ready to attack whatever is happening here without asking questions. Not a great scientist, by the way. And my absolute favorite expression goes to <laughs> Ghost Rider, who appears to be saying, what the fuck? You know, it, like the, the, the speech bubble says, who? But, you know, that's a real, like, what the fuck? That's a yeah. real what the fuck face. And I love that panel so much. This issue is a mess. And it may not be a great illustration of team dynamics, but I do love it. And for that reason, I'm glad that we read it together. After reading this issue, canon, I, I assume, and forgive me if this is a false assumption, this was your first man thing comic that you've ever read. Would you read another? I would read another. Um, I would be very curious to see what other man thing issues are like, because mm -hmm. um, I don't, this, this one, this one went so many other wild places that um, it was not a normal man thing issue. It is not. No. Okay. No. Uh, and, and Sean, you can speak to this, I think, as you've been entering into, you know, Man-Thing's oeuvre. Uh, Man-Thing issues often written by Steve Gerber in the 70s anyway were, were weird and high concept, but they have a lot to do with, you know, the dynamics of human behavior. Yeah, and, they're a lot more emo. Yes, and this one is a, this one is almost a satire of superhero teams. 
you know, of all of the members of this team tripping over themselves and beating each other up instead of uniting to fight yeah. a common foe. It, it feels like it's almost a pattern. I don't even know who we're supposed to be rooting for in this issue. Unclear. They killed a good guy. Usually... I like to step into the nexus and connect the world of the man thing to the world of our guest. And in this case, that you, Canon, you you created the premise for this episode. During this segment in which we step into the nexus, we just need to answer your question: Is the man thing the best team player in all of Marvel superheroes? I would say that he is, um, but with the caveat of he the best team player with the right coaching, with the right guidance. Um, he's not the he's not the best team player for everybody's team, but if you are tr- but if you are playing as a team, then he's great. Seems like he could fit in just about anywhere as long as he's got the direction. The man thing to me must be a team player because the man thing can't really hold a story alone, and therefore needs other characters, whether or not they're consciously on the team with the man thing. Uh, to to help deliver you know progress and narrative and uh, man thing can't talk like I mean brass tacks man thing can't speak man thing can't really contribute to the situation at hand and so therefore needs to participate with a team of some kind so I'm gonna say uh, I don't know if it's the best team player but I will say exclusively must be a team player needs a a supervisor at all times Adam real quick question for you. Yes. Maybe maybe not a quick question, maybe a hard question, but oh. in your opinion, who is the best person that Man-Thing has ever teamed up with that you felt fit him the most? Wow, that's a great question. Who is the best teammate? Who's the best duo? Who's the who's the person that brings out all the best qualities of the Man-Thing? Well, so I I think I've got two answers. One is classic comic book based answer, which is Howard the Duck. Uh, Howard the Duck was created in the pages of a Man-Thing comic, An Adventure into Fear. The Duck and Man-Thing were like Jay and Silent Bob. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would watch that movie. Yeah. So the Man-Thing lumbers around and says nothing and is just sort of observing. And Howard the Duck doesn't quit, doesn't stop, just has to say something sharp about everything. We haven't really seen that dynamic in a really long time, but I feel like that's the best dynamic that I can think of. Now, my second answer is, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Werewolf by Night has shown us that team, but with different characters. Instead of Howard the Duck, we have Werewolf by Night, Jack Russell. So in that Werewolf by Night Halloween special, uh, Jack Russell and the Man-Thing are buddies. And it's clear they've gone on many adventures. Jack can talk and do things and Great hang out. Flick. They they really did show their relationship. It was it was they were bros. It was they endearing. were bros, and it was awesome. They were monster bros, and they understood each other. And I think that rocks. So you know, I'm I'm really happy about that di- that dynamic because it says to me that the people making Man Thing stories within the MCU understand that it, it's got to be that way. It just has to be that way. It takes two to Man Thing. It takes two to man thing. That's right. And it takes the three of us to man thing minute. And uh, I I have a, a question for the show, and we'll just kind of wrap it up after this. But this is a first. It's an unnamed segment. In man thing comics, this is referred to as male thing. Um, I don't think I can take that. I feel like male thing already... and starseed both sound somewhat erotic. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I've been waiting to say that the entire time. Uh... I couldn't. <laughs> All right. It well, sounds like you... he goes to the sperm bank a lot. I don't know. 
You're totally right. It does. I, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry to bring this. I nope, know. Nope. I know. Man, things for the kids. No, nope, man, thing is for the kids, and they do need to learn sometime. But maybe right. not through this episode. All right. Um, sorry. So you know, Continue. in an effort to get away from from that connotation, Sean, let's just go ahead and refer to this segment as man mail. Okay. So man mail, totally different. Doesn't sound erotic mm. at all. Uh, we have our first piece of man mail from, like fan mail. You get it? And all like right. man thing. Hey. Is yeah, that yeah. doing anything? No, I like it. It's it's good. Yeah, it works. Right. It's good. So we have a first piece of man mail from this <laughs> uh, from uh, uh, listener Alex Moorhead at Mr. Head 3 on Twitter. And he says, question for the show. We all know it seems like modern Marvel doesn't really know what to do with the character, the character of Man-Thing. Uh, do I or the guests on Man-Thing Minute have a pitch idea as to what story they would like to tell? So I think we're working in genre. So... Mm-hmm. Um, what let's just choose genres here and what would be good what do you think canon we need alex garland to um direct a sequel to annihilation involving the man thing wow yeah i want to see the man what a take invite invoke fear into everyone that he runs into in the middle of a swamp and for all of those people to lose their minds Yes, and if you've seen Annihilation, you know, we saw Tessa Thompson turn into a plant person, so not far away. And the man thing kind of has the presence of that human skull screaming bear, you know, really just invoking fear. And Annihilation is such a great movie and a a great book, by the way. Uh, I'm reading that trilogy right now. I'm on the the second book in the trilogy called Authority. Uh, That's a great suggestion. I love that idea. Sean, what do you think? You know, this is going to sound like it's cheating, but I, upon obviously your recommendation, because why would anybody else have recommended this to me? I watched the new uh, Marvel special, what do they call it? Mar- special presentation. Special presentation. Werewolf by Night. I think that is the perfect fit for Man Thing. I was really happy with what they did with the character. I know you had a whole podcast talking about this already, but let me just you know reiterate the fact that they managed to make Man Thing both a monster, but also expressive, relatable and empathetic as a character and i think in the future pairing him up with somebody uh, like a uh, maybe like a buddy cop type film Mm -hmm. uh where i'm picturing the you know somebody like a werewolf by night it could just honestly be those duos like a full feature length film i would be i would definitely watch that but having it where you know um all of the people they interact with or come up to um it shows man thing as this tragic figure this person who there there is maybe even humanity in there or or some sort of deep um emotion but he is continually rebuked by all and and having that happen and them show that kind of uh tragedy and then giving you the sort of salvation of those few people that do understand him i think that's where he's the most effective so yeah, I, I think they should, honestly, they, they did a really good job. I mean, you feel free. I think you did agree with that opinion, but feel free to, to put your take on it. Um, but yeah, I, I, all that to say is I, I think Marvel's on the right track there, and I think they should just further explore what they did with his first uh, appearance. I completely agree with you, and I think it's the, the absolute most optimist, uh, optimistic take, uh, which is to say uh, Marvel's entry with the character into the MCU was fantastic. And they should just keep doing that, keep on that path. Whoever created that, whoever worked on that, whoever wrote that and directed it, uh, keep it, keep going. You you did well, so with any luck, we will see them return to that creative team 
as they tell more stories with the character. Uh, my answer is, of course, Man Thing should be in a sports drama, um, and may, all of the Marvel, remember the Titans. All the Mar- ooh yes. Well, I am keeping with Le- Legion of a Legion of their own is what I'm calling this. You just it's really of, like Tom Hanks. I really do, and I want to see Tom Hanks back on the silver screen as the coach of the Marvel monsters. And um, I have the Wikipedia page open right now. I'm trying yep. to figure out how to make um, a Turner and Hooch joke out of either Ted Salas or Man Thing, bringing yeah. together both your idea, your Tom Hanks vehicle into the into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the idea of a buddy cop. Um, yeah. I need Tom Hanks and uh, Man Thing to solve crimes together. Yeah, oh, would love to see that too. Would love to see a buddy cop situation. Would love to see Tom Hanks. Um, playing himself, of course, uh, with the man thing. And we can edit history like Forrest Gump style and the man thing and Tom Hanks are at the White House. Is this um, a Tom yeah. Hanks podcast now? This is a Tom Hanks players man thing podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, we are really those. hitting all major pieces of media that are hot right now. And that's what's happening with the nexus of all realities. It's all about connecting worlds. And I think that's what we've done on today's very protracted episode. I didn't know how much we would be able to talk about given the comics contents, but I think we we really made it work and we could only have done this with today's guest. Thank you for delivering the premise of today's show about d- team dynamics in the Marvel universe and how the man thing does or does not include itself in a team. Uh canon it's so appreciated that you took time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Is there anything that you would like to plug and share with listeners of Man Thing Minute? Um, let me see. Speaking on the subject of swamps, um, actually, wow, I have two. I have what? two related. Yes, this okay. Um, he comes with his homework done and the extra credit signed off. Exactly. Do you want to? Would you? Would you like to just host this show? I yeah, think can you take our I'm, job? I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> um. I, yes, let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> um, so option number, thing number one, this is not a project that I'm working on, but um, this is something that I think is just great, um, is that if you are in North Carolina, um, there is a old, there is a music venue called The Ritz that on November 5th is hosting a Shrek-themed rave oh um, with the tagline. They did that in Philly, I think. Oh my God. What? Yeah, they, 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 they did that at Underground Arts at Philly, too. Shrek-themed rave? Yeah, what yeah, is the, what I is, missed it. Is... I was going to go. It was sold out. Oh, my God. Anyway, continue. Sorry, not to, it, to run over the only I am thing, interested is all that to say. <laughs> the only thing that I was going to add is that it has the best tagline I have ever seen for any yeah. music venue, which is, it's dumb, just come have fun. Okay, yeah, I like that. I do like that. Let's just be honest about the situation. I feel like most Man Thing comics could also have that tagline. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, get out of my swamp. So that was one swamp-related plug. What was your second one? My second one um, is that I don't know exactly when it is coming out, but I am working on an EP related to um, exploring what the soul, what a world, a solar punk world could look like, um, mm, which wow. obviously involves a lot of swamps. It involves a lot of scientific experimentation. Um, so cool. Yes, and the man thing, like it, the man thing could easily exist in a solar punk future. What it, what is a solar punk future, Canon? So a solar punk future is similar to well, 
deriving from the idea of cyberpunk where everything is like very neon, very corporate, like um, it is this very dark futuristic world. Solarpunk is kind of like the antithesis of that. It is, okay, mm -hmm. what if um, cities were built to be ecologically friendly? What if, mm. um, what if humanity worked in tandem with the environment? What if we let the environment reclaim certain spaces? Cool. So, yes. What if Tom Hanks and the man thing could be friends? Exactly. That is... <laughs> Honestly, that is what um, that, that's that, so solar punk. Yeah, that's that's solar punk. Uh, so you're working on this this uh, album, this that collection of music that is incredibly cool. Where can we find the album? Do you have a an arrival or an estimated release date? I do not necessarily. I would say probably by the beginning of 2023 would be nice. Yeah. Um, just given schedules, um, we are in that, uh, holiday man thing cheer, um, That's true. where all of December is in celebration of the man thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we what say Christmas creep, when we say Christmas creep, we are of course referring to, um, the creep of the man thing. Yeah. He is the Christmas creep. The Christmas creep. I, I just want him in a Santa hat now. I'm sure that exists somewhere. I have that. I, I have a print of that in my <laughs> I, home. I'll make sure that course, I link that in today's episode. So, uh, Canon, so we can follow along and, and listen when it is released. Where can we find you online? Um, that would be on um, Bandcamp. Um, I'm pretty sure that it is just my name, uh, Thomas Cannon. Um, there is currently one track on there. Please do not listen to it. Um, it was just me trying to get uh, track out the door so that anything else would not be as listen, scary. Listen, Ken, as a as an amateur musician myself, I get that so much. I, I don't send anybody my SoundCloud for that exact same reason. I'm like, well, I need to see how this works, but nobody listen to it, please. I, I get that. So, but that's awesome. I can't wait to listen to this uh, this uh, album you're doing, the the Solar Punk. That sounds really cool as a concept. Yeah, indeed. And I hope it's okay that I plug this for you, but you can find Canon's music and musings, thomascanon.me. Canon with two N's. That's nice. C-A-N-N-O-N dot M-E. And uh, I know you've got blog posts and pieces and examples of your work and, and a music page as well and some very wonderful pixel art of your pooch. So uh, go and check out thomascannon.me. Thank you. Cannon, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I appreciate you. I'm excited for you to read more Man Thing comics that uh, hopefully are a little more characteristic to the character. I'm glad that you brought this one to our attention. And it is time for us to throw it over to an outro that was written by the fans. This week's outro comes from Ian at Billy Kumo on Twitter. Whatever knows near automata burns at the touch of the man thing. Have you got? Have uh, little, either little, of you guys? Oh my gosh! Little, cool. little play on the the fear, but not fear right. near. I see. Whatever, okay. whatever knows fear. Of course, we're okay. subbing out the word yeah. fear. Yeah, whatever yeah, knows yeah. near. Have either of you played uh, near? Uh, is it I automata or automata? Didn't I? Did I not play that at your house at one point or watch you? <laughs> It's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's my experience with it. Anyway, Nier is a great game. Go play Nier. Thank you, at Billy Kumo, for writing my outro this week. If you would like to write an outro in which you replace the word fear in the Man-Thing slogan, you can find me online on Twitter, at Adam Tetteris, and, uh, you know, just at me. That's fine. DM me, send it to me, uh, smoke signals, whatever will reach me. Sean, my co-host, thank you for being on the show once again. My pleasure, as always. Join us next time on Man-Thing Minute.